I'm not gonna raise my voice. Yes! I'm really good at basketball for a puppet. What just happened? I drink your milkshake. What's up with those shorts? It's either super good or super bad. Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, starts now. Does anybody have a paper bag? Hello from the Dyer Prime Studio in Nitro, West Virginia. This is Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt. Episode 8, Iowa State. This is not a cooking show, but let me give you the recipe for tonight's game versus the Cyclones in West Virginia's Big 12 opener. And I'll just read the recipe going into the game. You start with three cups of four days off, which happened last in the gap between the Georgetown game and the North Texas game, and we all remember what happened in the first half of that North Texas game. It was rough. You add to the recipe one tablespoon of amazing shooting for WVU in their last game. And while they're capable of that, we all know that it isn't likely that WVU is going to shoot like that two games in a row. And if they do, watch out. Add to the recipe one pint of Iowa State playing terrible in their last game versus Kansas State. I don't watch a lot of college basketball outside of WVU, but since it was on TV, I watched some of that Iowa State-Kansas State game. And Iowa State was at home, which usually they're really good at home, but pandemic And Kansas State has lost to an NAIA team. And that doesn't mean that they're terrible. It just means I'm just telling you that that happened. And Kansas State, who is the 10th best team in the Big 12 out of 10 teams, uh, it was never in doubt (laughs) in the second half of that game versus Iowa State. They just, they took care of them. And Iowa State was, was terrible on defense. I'm not using that word terrible loosely they played terrible defense against the 10th best team in the conference okay that happened i watched it so that's part of the recipe you add two teaspoons of of bolton playing well in both games versus wvu last year west virginia won those games but bolton was great you add a dash of no fans in the coliseum So in conference play, how much of an advantage is home court for for West Virginia outside of the central time zone teams all have to come to the eastern time zone, which is not a help in a 9 p.m. game. It may be helpful at a noon game where the Big 12 central time zone team would be playing like 11 a.m. their time. Anyway. All of that recipe, what is that for? A game way closer than the 14 and a half point spread. I mean, that was the biggest point spread for WVU this season, and it's against a conference opponent. <laughs> Seemed a little fishy, and I understand why it was large because, again, Iowa State lost to Kansas State, which lost to uh, Willie Mays State or. I, I don't know, like Hayes, Taze Hayes. 
So that gets you to be a 14 and a half point underdog. But man, this was this was a stomach turning game. But WVU outscores Iowa State 10 to 2 in the last 3 minutes and 41 seconds to win by 5 over Iowa State, which is probably the 8th or ninth best team in the conference. Whew. Now, that's now half of the games this season. West Virginia 7 and 1. But in four of those games, West Virginia has been down at halftime. The good news is WVU is 4-0 in those games. But as they say, WVU is playing with fire. <laughs> Am I right? Oof. Derek Culver, great in this game. He has 18 points and 12 rebounds. In most games, that's going to give Derek Culver the MVP for the game, right? And... He has enough of these games, and he's been the most consistent from a stat line uh, Mountaineer on the team, okay? Derek Culver's been great. But the MVP of this game, and we all know this, and we all and we needed all those 18 points from Culver and all those rebounds. The MVP of this game was Deuce McBride. And not a great game for Deuce McBride, Okay. He was 5 of 14 shooting. That's not great. He wasn't careless with the ball, but he had a season-high three turnovers in this game. Still didn't have more turnovers than assists. He still had three assists. But not great for Deuce. But guess what? Uh, With love and respect to Jordan McCabe, Huggins put him in for what seemed like a minute. (laughs) He's trying to give Deuce a break, all right? McCabe, uh, turnover, does not get rim on a drive, rough on defense, and he comes right back out and we never see McCabe again. So Deuce plays the entire second half. I believe he played 38 minutes this game, which you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, I'm concerned about anybody playing regularly 38 minutes. But... He scored 12 of his 18 points in the second half. And it's not just about points, but in these games where WVU comes back, and usually Taz is part of the equation, we'll get to Taz here in a minute, but Deuce has these little stretches. I remember, I think, the North Texas game where he just creates points really quick when WVU needs them. 51-44, Iowa State. Early in the second half, Oscar gets an offensive rebound, kicks it out to Deuce. Deuce makes a three. Great. Cuts the lead to four. Then he steals that pass at half court. Like the next next pass, he steals it. That turns into an Oscar and one, and he doesn't make the one. But five quick points, all because of Deuce McBride. In clutch time. The last three minutes of 41 seconds, Deuce is four of four from the line, including two to put WVU WVU up for good. But his main contribution in that second half was denying Rasir Bolton the ball because Bolton was great versus WVU. He scored 25, but in that last 341, he only had two points and they were from the foul line. 
Deuce was denying him the ball. Like Iowa State's game plan was like, uh, give that guy that scored 20-some the ball, the guy that hasn't been missing. And Deuce said, no. (laughs) By himself. He said that he's not getting the ball. And he wasn't 100% successful for that. But there, there was a couple of possessions late where he definitely denied Bolton getting the ball. And both of those West Virginia got stops. Deuce tied him up from 30 feet. 30 feet from the rim, he gets his hand on the ball and ends up being a jump ball. So Deuce, very heavy lifting tonight. And despite all the not great, he was great in the second half when it mattered. Oscar, other contribution. Oscar, I've talked about Oscar a couple times. Solid offensive night. He was in double figures. Emmett Matthews got his scoring done early when West Virginia needed it and made the last two free throws to make it a five-point game. So kind of quiet Emmett, but when it was close in the first half, those Emmett points were helpful. Gabe (laughs) struggled from the free throw line but he can contribute in multiple ways. And so he only scored one point, but seven rebounds, four assists, and what seemed like dozens of charges where he he drew offensive fouls by getting in position. So I like it when he's contributing offensively, but, and he did with his four assists, but, his contribution in this game was on the defensive end, and they needed all of those turnovers. Taz, he struggled shooting tonight. He did not have his second-half magic, and yet I look at the box score. He ends up in double figures, 10 points, eight of those in the second half. And second, like the last minute and a half of the game, Taz, struggling. Prior to that, but a little over a minute left, Bolton finally misses. Taz gets the ball on offense, backs it down from the top of the key, misses a short jumper, knows it was it was a miss, gets the rebound, and finishes to put WVU up one. Then after Deuce makes a couple of uh, a couple of free throws, Iowa State's inbounding the ball. And Taz deflects the inbound off of the Iowa State guy. WVU gets the ball back. Guess what? Taz gets the ball on the inbound, calmly makes his two free throws. And so Taz was not great, but he was great when West Virginia needed him to be great. Those two plays was the was really the, the getting WVU the lead for good. So West Virginia, we would all agree, they did not have their A game versus Iowa State. McNeil went one for seven. McCabe had a rough two minutes, as I mentioned. Taz and McNeil struggled so much in this game that Huggins in the second half when WVU was down nine, he had Jalen Bridges playing the two. (laughs) Which I don't know if we'll see that again. You... I don't know if there's been a time besides like Spencer Mackintosh tweet time where 
at least Gabe, or shoot, at least Taz, McNeil, McBride, or McCabe, two of those four are on the court, and sometimes three are on the court at the same time. And they were struggling so bad that he said, all right, Bridges, you play the two. He only did that for a couple of minutes. But that's how bad it was from the junior college guards. And outside of Gabe and Taz, there was not much from the bench tonight. I mean, they played 10 guys, but Cottrell was in for uh, a brief moment. McCabe brief, Bridges brief. It was seven guys tonight. And West Virginia turned the ball over too much. They were 3 of 14 from 3. They shot 38%. But what saved them tonight versus Iowa State is that Iowa State helped by turning the ball over. WVU did a lot more pressing in this game. Started from the beginning pressing. Iowa State turned it over 21 times. Three big turnovers late to help WVU end up on top. And West Virginia made foul shots in the second half. They took 28 more free throws than Iowa State. And they deserved them. I mean, they were being, they were going strong. They were being more aggressive, close to the rim. All of those were fouls. Took 28 more free throws than Iowa State and ended up plus 19 on points scored from the free throw line. 19 more points than Iowa State. And that's, you know, when you win by five and you're not shooting well and it's not a big rebound advantage, then you got to outscore them somewhere. And West Virginia did it tonight from the line. They were under 50% at the first half, but made a bunch in the second half, including a bunch in that 10-2 run late. So on the surface, and I've seen this on the internet, the story will be West Virginia's playing down to its competition, you know? Can't beat the teams they're supposed to beat, convincingly. Uh, And that... (sighs) I guess I could hear that argument, but I think the recipe going into this game told a different story. Random thoughts coming up. Dyer Prime is the lead sponsor of Unreasonable Doubt. It's Christmas season, and Dyer Prime can help you with a certain Christmas item this holiday season. Stocking. You know, you fill up the stocking. You don't. Santa does. What if you could get a professionally embroidered stocking with a human name or pet name on it? Dyer Prime can do that. Limited quantities exist. Fine, fancy-looking stockings with your name embroidered on it. Call or text Dyer Prime to find out more. 304-767-4445. Or find them on Facebook or Instagram. Just search for Dyer Prime. D-Y-E-R-P-R-I-M-E. Random thoughts for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. I want to talk about my friends at ESPN. And by my friends at ESPN, I don't think I know anybody personally that works at ESPN. But just, like, it's a... Broadly to ESPN, just words of advice, a observation from a college basketball fan, a Mountaineer fan. 
you have one job, ESPN, and that one job is show the basketball game. I come into this day, I know that West Virginia is going to play Iowa State at 9 p.m. And you said it was going to start at 9 p.m. on the television, and it did. So I want to thank you on the front end for holding up that part of the bargain, right? The cameras were there. People were talking. It's happening. Okay? So thank you for that. However, (laughs) there was a part in the first half where the camera is focused in on Iowa State coach. Iowa State's coach, Steve Prome, I believe, if he continues down this path of being not good, this might be his last season coaching in Iowa State. I'm not wishing that on him, uh, but three losing seasons in a row is probably not good. They're bouncing around to Huggins, and they're talking, and the announcers are talking about something that for the life of me, I can't and don't want to remember, right? And here's the problem. Because nothing's happening in the game. I think Gabe had just shot a free throw. Huggins substituted out. So in our heads together, the next thing that's going to happen is Iowa State's going to take the ball out. Right? We all agree about that. And then we're still looking at coaches, and I'm hearing whistles and the shuffling of feet, like the squeaking of feet on a wooden floor which obviously means that basketball is being played, and I don't see it. I'm Steve, I'm seeing Steve <laughs> and Huggins. And there was a whistle, and it looked like Steve made a, made a sour face. So with context clues, I figure out that Iowa State turned the ball over, right? And yet it's still... We're looking at coaches for a couple of more seconds before we get back to the game. So didn't see it. The announcers didn't say, oh, turnover by Iowa State, because I don't know if they were even watching. And they were there. They weren't in like a building in Charlotte. They were on site. Finally, the camera gets to, you know, the basketball game. Am I crazy? Don't answer that. Later, they're pointing the camera at Huggins again. And maybe because he had a different pullover than other nights. There was it was a lighter blue. There was some there was gray striping on the sleeves. I like the pullover. But as I'm watching Huggins, I'm also seeing, you know, at the bottom where they show the clock of how much time is left in the game. I'm seeing the clock move. But I'm looking at Bob Huggins. And again, it wasn't as much uh, squeaking of the court or dribbling of the basketball that you can hear. And you hear all this stuff because pandemic and nobody's in the Coliseum. But I'm just noticing the clock move and not watching somebody dribble a basketball or throw a basketball. I just, I'm saying with love and respect to Huggins, I want to watch the basketball game because that's what I'm here for. 
show the game. For example, let's let's take this to a movie scenario. Let's just pick a movie. Let's let's look. Let's think about coming to America. So, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen the movie Coming to America, if you haven't seen it, see it. All right. But there's a part. Uh, there's a part. Spoiler alert: where a robber played by a young Samuel L. Jackson is robbing at McDowell's, which is like McDonald's, and it, it's it's eerily similar to McDonald's, but it's not McDonald's. It's McDowell's. Okay. Anyways, the characters played by Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall are able to defuse the situation. And you want to know why I know that? It's because the movie showed it. All right? McDowell's was full that day. Lots of people in McDowell's. Okay? A very busy McDowell's. And I don't know if there was just one McDowell's or if there was a chain of McDowell's. I don't remember. But the movie didn't pan in on like the extras in the corner having their meal. You know? They weren't panning in on the extras in the corner while Sam Jackson is robbing and Louie Anderson is cleaning out the register and the Soul Glow guy is hiding in the corner and Eddie Murphy's using a mop stick as a weapon and Arsenio Hall is jumping over the front counter. You know why I know all that stuff? is because I saw it. <laughs> it wouldn't make any sense to for all that stuff to happen in a movie, and I have to figure that out through context clues and sounds because the movie is showing a couple in the corner of the McDowell's that has nothing to do with the movie. But Josh, that's a movie. You have a script. You know what's going to happen. I understand that. But also, basketball, it doesn't have a script. But you do know what's going to happen after certain things, right? Like if the ref has the ball holding it out of bounds, he or she is going to give it to a player beside them, and then that player is going to throw the ball in bounds, okay? Like, that's how basketball works. And it's not like a hot potato situation. Like, the ref isn't dying to give the ball up. The, the ref is going to hold that ball for, for a few Mississippis. So I haven't done a TV production ever in my life. But in my head, that in those few Mississippis, you can say, like, I'm, a, uh, I'm picturing a producer with one of those microphones that sticks out like a stick in front of their mouth, and they say, okay, camera person, show the basketball court. And then they do it. Right? Like, the, you, it's not scripted, but we all know that that's what happens with basketball. So ESPN, with all the love and respect I have for a... For a Disney corporation, thank you for showing the game on schedule when the game is happening. Let me see it. That's it. Final thoughts coming up. Unreasonable Doubt is on the social media. 
on Instagram at UnreasonableDoubtWV, on Twitter at I'm Josh Witt, on Facebook. Go to that search bar thing and type in Unreasonable Doubt. Do it. Interact with the show. Final thoughts for this episode of Unreasonable Down. The next game is a doozy. Tuesday, 9 p.m. ESPN 2. WVU is going to Lawrence, Kansas to play the Kansas Jayhawks. We know WVU's experiences in Lawrence, Kansas. If you don't, I'll tell you right now. West Virginia has never won an Allen Fieldhouse. We all know that Kansas has won the Big 12 Conference like 30 out of 31 times or however many times. They've only lost at that one time, the Dean Wade year. (laughs) The Dean Wade-Jarrett Culver year. Right? Kansas is 7-1 this season. Kansas just went to Lubbock and beat a good Texas Tech team. Uh, Garrett for Kansas, who's really good at defense and 30 years old, he's running point guard. I don't think he's a point guard, but he's a tall point guard. They got a guy named Agbaji who shoots like I would want shot robot to shoot so far this season. Akbaji, especially in that Texas Tech game, like he's a shooter. He And he's really good at basketball. Kansas. We know this about Kansas. They are tough. Say what you want about, like, oh, WVU doesn't get calls at Allen Fieldhouse, and there have been a couple of extreme situations. <laughs> Speaking of foul shot disparity we've seen it Huggins has lost his mind at Allen Fieldhouse but Kansas under Bill Self they're always tough right they rarely give up you know and Kansas will be a favorite in this game for sure they're they're ranked I believe fifth in the polls but this season it's pandemic And there will not be over 16,000 people in the fog. That's what they call it. Fog, P-H-O-G. Then there's a reason for that, and I don't know what it is. But there's only going to be 2,500 people in there. So if there's a season for anyone, not just WVU, to go into the Allen Fieldhouse and win, it's this season. So... This narrative of WVU eight games in, they're playing to their competition. I hope they do that on Tuesday because Kansas is Kansas. Just without getting into individuals, Kansas, since WVU has been in the conference, they're Kansas. (laughs) So if if WVU plays to their competition on Tuesday, that's a good thing. And ESPN, I hope you show all of the game on Tuesday, okay? (laughs) 
even if you have to do that weird split screen where you interview somebody and thank you for not doing that. I'm not trying to put that idea in your head. But at least in those scenarios, I still get part of the screen devoted to what's going on in the game. All right. So just show the game. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Listen on all the platforms or just pick one. Apple Podcasts is good. Spotify, Overcast, Pandora, CastBox. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Hit the button. The podcast will automatically download to whatever device you're listening to this. It helps you if you want to listen to this, and then it helps the podcast. So please subscribe wherever you listen. Until next time, I'm Josh Witt. This has been Unreasonable Doubt. WVU for the 2020-2021 season. They're 7-1. and one.